everyone. Welcome back to Reality 2.0. I am Katherine Druckmann, and I am talking to Doc Searles today. We have a couple things on the agenda. We're just going to have kind of a casual chat about uh, Tesla's Starlink that we're really intrigued by. And Mozilla just announced a new Firefox feature, state partitioning. And we think that's kind of an interesting direction for browsers to go in the... uh, is it privacy war? Can I say privacy war? Let's call it privacy war. Yeah, yeah no, it is. <laughs> um, it is a bit of a war at this point. So so we think that that's, that's interesting for a few reasons. So uh, yeah, so we'll get into that. But before we start talking about any of those things, I wanted to remind everyone that um, you can visit our website at reality2cast.com. That is the number two. Please sign up for our newsletter. We share sort of a brain dump every week. Um, sometimes there are some extra little tidbits in there that we were finding interesting. And this, this past week we had a whole lot of links and notes and there's bound to be something interesting in there. So we encourage you to subscribe. And the other thing I was going to mention is, Hey, we put up a swag store on the website. So if you, uh, if you ever needed a bound journal to remind everyone of the importance (laughs) of privacy, you could get that there. Now I'm really kind of obsessed with this um, heavens above thing. This is really cool. It is heavens above. It changed my life. Um, It's old. It's been since the mid nineties. And as a kid, a guy, he was a kid named Chris Pete, I think. And he's in Germany who does it. And he did it and he does it. He's on a, it's a dot ASP site. So he's doing it on Microsoft something. Um, But it's been around a long time and it is amazing. I mean, it, if you live anywhere where you can see the sky, it'll be, and you're farther South. So you're uh, even than I am uh, like the, the, the space station, the Hubbard telescope, these things are visible. Um, yeah. And, um, and the space station actually goes kind of overhead. But the cool thing about these satellites, I don't know how it works. It's like, there are like 10 or 15 of them in a row. And I, I, I do not know, how they get low latency. I don't know how they're relaying back to earth, but it is really interesting. And, um, and I think it changes everything. I really do. I think it's possibly, I think almost everything Elon Musk does is important. And Oh, but a Starlink. Yes. Uh, it's just amazing. The guy's amazing. Yes. I mean, it, <laughs> yes, he, he can disrupt everything. He can, he, yeah, disrupt was, the stock market, telecommunications, and, and you um, don't cryptocurrency. It, yeah, and you don't sense that he does it out of malice. Cars. He's not. No, he's not oh gosh, just no. Screwing with it. He's. I mean, he's. I mean, no, oh, he's a very cyner- serious, enthusiastic <sighs> innovator. He is. He lives I mean, for that stuff. So. I mean, he kind of looked at the car business, and it wasn't like, I'm gonna do a better Ford. You know, no, he. They're already electric cars, and he just did not just the better electric car. He did the best car on the road. I yeah. in like a one go. I think there was an earlier version that wasn't great. I'm not sure, but um, but it, it was pretty amazing. No, their first, their he he came out of the the gate pretty pretty strongly. I think I don't know. I think yeah. yeah I mean, obviously they've improved, but I remember even the very first. Tesla Model S is being considered pr- 
pretty maybe pretty i'm wrong solid. about that i i want to be wrong about it actually i mean or There's i a, could be wrong that's equally possible yeah likely. no i think you're right i i thought for somehow but maybe i'm thinking of one of the other electric car makers um and and it's not it's not to take away from anybody else uh you know um uh my wife just got i'm not going to name her because she's more private than i am but uh though you know her i uh but she just got the first new car that we've been married 30 years. She never bought a new car. Uh, and, um, and it's a Toyota hybrid and I'm astonished by how good it is in, in, as a, as a vehicle. I mean, it's, it, it gets like 50 miles to the gallon and it's hot. I mean, it performs. Is it a, is it a Prius or one of the other? No, no, it's a Camry of all things. And Oh, wow. To me, a camera is, is a rental car. It's an Uber vehicle. Yeah, it's a, it's what, it's a in basic, New York City. I used to have one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I, I had one. one too. I had an '85 Camry that finally, I think, I don't know if it ever died. My daughter gave it away when it had about three hundred thousand miles on it. Yeah. Um, nothing ever went wrong with it. I got it because nothing ever went wrong. Everything I bought before that was like a two hundred fifty dollars Chevy, um, yeah. because I could fix it on weekends, and that was my theory of cars, which is if I could, fi- I want to be able to fix my car and. I totally knew 287, uh, 283 and 327 VH Chevys and GM cars. I had a uh, a Pontiac we called Big White. I had a another one I think called Big Blue. Um, they all had big things wrong with them, but I could fix them, you know, with a six pack yeah. and buddies on a weekend. And then I I had a serious job, and you know, my part business partner said, you know, you kind of want to show up in a nice car. Um, why don't you get a nice car? And I. I looked at what had the lowest frequency of repair and it was this Toyota Camry and I bought it because of that. And it was a great car, but oh, my, that was my Camry was the, a fantastic car. Yeah. But this it one looked is, like a Lexus at the time. It was, it was one of those that was back oh, yeah. when Lexus just came out and they basically looked like Toyotas, well, but then there was a were. period. <laughs> yeah. But there was a yeah. period in there where Lexus, you know, kind of, uh, started to get, uh, spruce their models up a bit, and then and then that kind of bled into Toyota. It was the it was a late '90s model, and it, I love yeah. that. Yeah, and and all of the, the most Lexuses reliable thing now, I've ever had. The the, the Lex actually we looked at Lexuses too, and the thing I didn't like about Lexuses is that they have what I call the manta ray uh, grill. They it looks like this giant oh. mouth in the front. I feel like they all do. They all but they, grills they all today have are that ugly. Now. And in yeah, fact, they're hideous. Her Toyota <laughs> has it too, um, but the. It has no ground clearance. I mean, you go over a bump and you, it's mm, a problem. Yeah. But um, it's got it's got the normal eco and sport buttons, and it even changes the steering ratio. So in sport, it steers more like a bike, and when it's on eco, it's a little bit more. Uh, the steering ratio is a longer one, or at least it seems that way. And the um, but even if you don't put it in sport, if you hit the gas, the thing tears out. It's amazing. Fascinating. I, I had no idea that non-Prius hybrids today got that kind of gas mileage. I, I'm so out of it. Like I, yeah. my my intent when I bought my last car, I actually I, I I said at the time I said this is the last gasoline powered car I'm going to get. It's a 2013. Mm. It was you know I got it and yeah. I got it new. So it was, oh, it's I've had it a long time and I have no plans to you know I keep cars a long time so I have no plans to replace it but at that time I remember thinking okay the next one by then electric cars will be will be you know a solid enough option um that 
you know, and I, in my mind, I mean, I meant fully electric now, you know, a hybrid is probably a, you know, a pretty good uh, compromise, but, but yeah, I'm so out of it that I had, I just had no idea that it was getting that kind of mileage, which is fantastic. I thought that was only a Prius that would get that kind of mileage. Yeah. It, it's, um, I'm just looking it up right now. It's, I mean, the, it has like a, I think the tank holds, oh, it says 15.8 gallons. I thought it was like 12. Um, but, and it says the total range is 442 miles. It, I mean, we've gone almost 700 miles on a tank. I mean, it's amazing uh, huh. how, how far the damn it thing goes. Um, you know, anyway. Um, did you did you consider getting a Tesla at any time during this? Uh, we never even had much discussion about it. I mean, we went looking for an old, we actually let, literally went looking for an old Prius, went to a dealer, um, drove a couple of them, totally felt like a rental car basically. And, um, <laughs> uh, and I mean, we liked them, but it was not, it didn't have any personality. And then, but Joyce asked, do you have any nicer um, hybrids? And I didn't even know they had a hybrid other than a Prius. And, and he said, actually, the, we're getting rid of the 2020s. We've just knocked six grand off of this one. And Actually, there were two of them, but we, she got the kind of the better of the two that are the top of the line one. And, um, and I was amazed, we, you know, we went home, didn't even talk about it, went back the next day and we're just talking with him about it. And Joyce said, I'll get it. Um, I just gave her name. That's all right. Anyway. Um, you can change uh, it. <laughs> and it. Yeah, but it's a, but anyway, this is about um, the Tesla. I've been in a few Teslas and there, I don't like a car that knows more about me than I do uh, <laughs> as a driver. Maybe it doesn't know about my life, but it knows about me as a driver. A friend of mine who drove one down here had to stop for several hours and get it charged, um, you know, in, in uh, San Luis Obispo, but uh, rode around with it. He says, no, you totally have a sense that this is a, a software thing. This is a software car and it does it. Yeah. it it, you know, it's updated on a constant basis, but he completely, you know, they completely rethought it. And if you, and if you go to any of the, if you do like I do, and you're a bit of a space freak and you go watch launches, like right over that way, um, for those of us in video, which is only two of us, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but about outside it, beyond the walls of our house, yeah, right well, I, outside our house, um, I can walk out of my little deck there and I can look West and I can see rockets taking off from Vandenberg Air Force Base. And, and you can also watch live coverage on your phone. And, you know, when things took off from Cape Canaveral, there were all these guys with flat top crew cuts that have been, you know, in civil service or science or aviation or the rest of it for 35 years. And, uh, and we're always guys, right? And now there are all these earnest young women running space for SpaceX, right? I mean, and they're, mm -hmm. they're on camera and, um, and they're probably, they're not obviously they're not just women, but that's what I noticed because I'm a guy, uh, but, but also because it seems anomalous and, but it's not, not the way the world works now. Yeah. And, and, you know, and not only here, do you watch these rockets take off? And we saw Starlink rockets launched from here. Um, you see this thing go up into the sky and then the first stage comes back down to earth and you can barely see it except when they fire the retro rockets, but, and then they land on like a 40 foot square thing floating in the ocean 
and recycle the first stage of the rocket. And it lands on its ass perfectly. It's like, <laughs> holy shit, that's, that's cool. And the way they're doing, you know, the way they're provisioning internet for the whole world, I think is remarkable. It's gonna put the rest of the world on the internet. And if it goes well, and I can't believe these guys have not thought it through. So I'm, I'm very, very optimistic about that. And I, and I think it's gonna be hard for, for example, China or Russia to say, no, you can't have it. Or if you do have it, they're gonna to try to make um, Elon and his friends sphincter the internet so they can spy <laughs> on everybody. Um, right. And I think that's a, a kind of wheat and chaff thing because if they're behind on that, um, too bad, you know, we need freedom. So yeah, I say that as, an, as, as a human being, not just as an American. Um, Anyway, so, we were going to talk about stuff about about well about Starlink is is one of the big ones. I you know I think what's interesting to me is you know I I heard you know I'd been following a little bit you know I'm I'm aware um, that they are launching these satellites and and have this um, roadmap so to speak. Um, but what's interesting to me is just last week, you know, just how many people jumped on ordering pre-ordering um, the Starlink. Yeah. And, and that was interesting to me because it wasn't just, you know, my geeky early adopter friends, you know, posting, you know, they, obviously mm. there were those, but I saw a lot of people who have already ordered. And I thought that was interesting because it was somewhat unexpected, I guess, uh, you know, I don't know. I think, um, and it, some of it is because, you know, I know people who live in, uh, less densely populated areas. And so that's an obvious use case, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, other people too. And I, you know, I think it's, it, it'll be interesting to see how it, it, it changes, especially right now, because we're, you know, we're, we're, we're talking a lot about, uh, you know, how a post COVID, uh, workforce is going to, is going to, to work because, you know, are we ever going to go back to offices? I mean, I'm sure some people are, but I think a lot of people are just not. And yeah, so yeah. you can live anywhere. So you know, why not live on a goat farm out in the middle of nowhere and get exactly. your Starlink yeah. and, and there's just, it just, it, it removes a barrier to really living your life kind of any way you want, you know, which I think is kind of cool. It's, I think it'll, this is a thought. So one of the things I've spent a lot of time in the UK and it seems, of course, I'm dealing with mostly middle-class people in the UK, but a remarkable number of them live in the country right? They, they live out there. I, I'm kind of amazed at how many people live in the country in the UK and that there is room still left in the country for people. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've often do, wondered that too. But, but a lot of people live in the city, you know, that, that, that live in, um, you know, in, in Manchester or Southampton or London will have another place. They have another place that's off there in the country. And, um, and they spend a lot of, and they spend some time there. I think this moves more people out there, you know, that, that want to live there, you know, that want to live full time out there and don't want to pay city rates or whatever it might be. Uh, yeah. I, I just think it, I think it, I, I think it changes. I mean, to the degree that we, we have to be on the internet. I mean, it's just, you have to be there if you're operating in the world, if you're in school, now this is a new thing. If you're in school, you have to be on the internet. Right. Yeah. Uh, 
and again, it's a very middle-class thing, but I, I wonder, you know, what, how this changes economically in the less developed world to have that kind of connection and, and whether, whether it's affordable, I don't even know if it's affordable. Maybe if a whole village gets one connection, yeah, it could be shared. that might be doable. Um, we're also at the mercy of your, of your receiving equipment or your receiving transmitting equipment because you're going both ways. Um, I've seen the, I've seen little videos and descriptions of how it works. You get this dish, you know, when you fix it out there somewhere and it, it looks around the sky and it does a whole bunch of learning things and, and then it's busy and then you're connected. Um, you know, and you're getting like, you know, 300 megs down and a hundred up or something like that. Yeah, uh, it's constantly improving from what I'm, I'm Yeah. Seeing. I mean, that, that's, that's amazing. And it and, is amazing. And it's, you know, the progress is the process by which the miraculous becomes mundane. And this, I think, is going to prove that because in four or five years, everybody, oh, yeah, Starlink, no big deal. You yeah. know. So, so we, we mentioned this heavens above site and, and, yes. and you gave a little background on it, which, you know, I, I would like, I would like if you, if you could, you know, the, if you have additional information to share about that, because yeah. I, I haven't really followed this at all. And you know, what's interesting to me in particular talking about Starlink is I guess I just didn't realize how many of these satellites there oh, are. Oh my God, the sky is full. I mean, it's... I had no, I, I, I mean, I knew there were a lot, but it's a little bit different when you visualize it like this. And um, here's yeah. how weird it is. If you're, if you're in, even like where we are, where's a lot of light pollution here. Um, for example, most nights you're not seeing the Milky Way. Uh, but, you know, the ranking stars, you know, first and second magnitude stars, the North Star is like a second magnitude star, roughly. Um, they're visible, you know, the Big Dipper that's there. There are a lot of satellites that are that bright. And a lot of them are, you know, Russian rockets that, that you know, that in the early days when they'd launch a satellite, the rocket that launched it continues to float around behind the satellite itself, right? And they're big enough to reflect light. And sometimes they get brighter and dimmer because they are tumbling around in space. Most of them are white, so they reflect a lot of light. Um, but there's just a ridiculous number of satellites up there. So I think on the average night, if you just go outside and look at the sky for a few minutes, you'll notice this is after sunset when it has become fully dark. And preferably if the moon isn't out, and right now it's full tonight, it's a full moon. Um, but even with a full moon, you, you'll be looking up and say, wait a minute, that star is moving. Yeah. And that They're one over moving. there, that one's all, moving. None of them too, are stars. Right? <laughs> not, in, not here. Yeah, because a couple of hours after sunset, um, the sun is still hitting things that are 100 miles, 200 miles above the earth. So, you know, the sun has not yet set up there and they are not in Earth's shadow. You won't see them in the middle of the night, but you will see them, you know, uh, you know, after it gets dark and before the sun comes up and uh, within a couple hours of that. And anyway, about heavens above, uh, I'm looking on the page right now for... Anything that's biograph. Oh, there it is. Chris Pete. Chris P-E-A-T is his name. And um, yeah, and he's got his email address, you know, chris.pete at heavens-above.com. Uh, it's, it's, and I just closed the window, but 
it's heavens-above.com. It has been around 25 years, some enormous amount of time. I, here's how it changed my life when my younger son, who is now 24, but when he was a little boy, I mean, like, you know, three, four, five years old, and, and we were living in the Bay Area, we would, and actually all the way up until he was a teenager, um, and we lived here in Santa Barbara, we would go out every night and look at the stars. And I would have a, um, uh, a green laser pointer. The green laser pointers are, they totally rock. You get them for about five bucks on Amazon or whatever. And the, with the green color, you can actually point them at the stars. You could say, look at this one, this one, this one. And it doesn't hurt your eyes unless you shine them into your eyes and then they're horrible. But if, but if you're just shining them into the, into the air, the, the little beam goes, you know, a few hundred feet, something like that, but you can see the beam and, and point to stars. And I would have a laptop open to heavens above and, and it would tell you exactly what star, what satellites are passing overhead now. And it would give a little map and it would show the path on the map and you could find them. You know, there's, you know, there's the Russian, this one, there's that one. It, it's, it was just incredibly cool. And it still is, it's still there. And, um, and it's more complete than ever. And he's got new visualizations. It looks like I haven't looked at it in a long time because I, I haven't had a kid to go outside and look at the stars with. So, um, and that was just so much a part of my life that it, it almost hurts me to go out, you know, without a kid with me, you know, but, but what you do is you put in, you know, you know, you put in your observing location. Um, and I think any phone now will tell you what your latitude and longitude are. But you could also do it by town. You could put in Houston or wherever, and um, and it'll tell you exactly, you know, where the where the satellites are, you know, what their paths are, and when they're going to disappear. Um, it, it shows their rising and setting time. You can look through a whole t a table of them and see, well, which ones are first, second, and third magnitude at their peak. Uh, it's pretty. It's it's really cool, you know. And he's got a, really lots cool. in lots more in there than the last time I looked. Um, uh, a live sky view that's a new one a starlink dynamic 3d orbit display which among other things shows you that i didn't know this that the the strings of satellites that you see in some of those pictures are that's just part of like most of the satellites apparently are float hundreds of miles from other ones in the sky whereas the ones in a row they mm -hmm. must have some other role i don't know what the role is but it's it's pretty damn cool it's very cool. Definitely. Um, cool. Oh, and you can roll the earth around and look at it. Yeah. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. That's the I one know. I was looking at where I was sort of overwhelmed by the number. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so many. Yeah. And they definitely do not have them concentrated at the poles. So, and I have a, a well, you know, the guy we talked to him the other day uh, in Alaska, where mm -hmm. I talked to him, um, uh, Starlink apparently doesn't go that far north, which is too bad they could really use it in Alaska, or maybe he's just not showing it. That is a possibility too. I don't know. Um, in any case, it's, uh, it does cover most of the earth. Yeah. yeah. So I see Siberia, the Arctic and the Antarctic, except for some of the strings of satellites don't seem to be uh, served except now and then, but I don't know. I might be wrong. I'll have to look into so that. Another thing that I, I just learned that I didn't know before was that um, Starlink will also be able to provide you with emergency telephone service. 
mm-hmm. which I which is interesting. I mean, I I, I don't know why it wouldn't, but <laughs> I that's part of the deal. Um, I don't know. It's uh, so apparently, um, according to an article that I I just pulled up, um, it sounds like it's it's ruffling the feathers of uh, a lot of internet service providers, which I think is interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, I, I, I can, it, well, it should. You know? Yeah. Oh, it should. Totally should. Totally should. Because, um, uh, you know, all those things need competition. I think especially the, um, the phone and cable companies, which, you know, for the most part, they put the original ISPs out of business. Um, you know, the, the brand X decision and their uh, market heft basically replaced all the small ISPs that, and, that uh, we depended on in the early days. And then there's lawmaking, like the, there are uh, Republicans in a lot of states right now are trying to, and I think there's even a national proposed law that would basically outlaw municipal broadband. It would, out, it would forbid, and this is pretty much the case in North Carolina already, the state I used to live in. And I think it might be the case in Texas where they don't want the whole thing is about we don't want government competition with private business. We and it's basically we don't want government opening the market to competition for the for our monopolies that you know pay us to stay in office. Um, this is what's wrong with you know the free market um, the way that, the way free market advocacy tends to work in this country, which is it's all about favoring giant companies, bigger the better. You know, and rather than how do we open up markets? Um, how do we have laws that open up markets? All kinds of competition and all kinds of service. And that's what we really should have. And yeah. be able to do that just like cities have their own water systems and other things. Anyway. Uh, anyway. So, yeah, 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 I think in Not summary, Star- Starlink, cool. Yeah. Uh, interesting. I know, I know all my friends that live in places we'd call nowhere are just, can't wait you know it's i'm a, i'm kind of I, i'm kind of interested in the idea of of uh being in nowhere with a starlink <laughs> i think that sounds pretty great yeah especially now yeah. i like it too my whole, you know, and, yeah and, and how long before you know that your airstream comes with one you know just as a matter of course oh, that's, you know, that's sounds dreamy um so the other thing that that we talked about earlier and we haven't gotten into yet is this mozilla uh, state partitioning yeah. that they announced. Oh, I don't know, a couple of days ago this week. Yeah, which is cool. It's the it's a, yeah a a further step in protecting Firefox users. You know, isolating tracking cookies, isolating you know the ability of certain third parties to track you, while at the same time also offering up a an API and and ways for let's call them legitimate reasons to, uh, you know, for multiple, for somebody, a single sign on and that kind of thing for, for websites to track you across uh, other sites for, for actual real useful purposes. Um, but yeah, so yeah. this is, it's interesting. I think, you know, Mozilla has been really active in the last couple of years um, in this privacy arena and um, yeah, it's encouraging. It what I here's here's what I like about it, and it's worth you. I, 
listeners, if you just look up state partitioning and Mozilla, you'll find it. Um, and I guess we'll put on the website a, a, mm -hmm. a link to it. Um, there's a piece there by uh, Johan Hoffman and Tim Huang about, um, and they call it, you know, total cookie protection. But basically what, what I like about it is it looks like, you know what, if this is the best way to do it, then it should be in every browser. In other words, yeah. you know, Chrome and Brave and Edge and Safari and the rest can pick it up and they can do it too. In other words, it can become, because what we have right now is that is, it makes it almost impossible to follow how it's done. I mean, there you can, in a more or less typical way, dig down into your settings and uh, turn off what's variously called um, cross-site tracking and equivalent things at, or, or third-party tracking, stuff like that. And But it's all done differently. It's not it's not a standard thing. It's not like, you know, the way, you know, the, the symbols on the dashboard of your car make sense and no matter what car you get into. Uh, it, it's, or similarly, like any of the normal symbols you see on a browser and how those look. Uh, but I, I, I would hope that if it's a, a better way to do this, that it would, would, would work. I know what they were doing before was this thing called enhanced ETP and mm -hmm. has tracking protection, which required them to to keep a list, right? Is, yeah, and they know, say it's based on the disconnect. It's not sustainable. Yeah, yeah. There and, will and, be ways around it inevitably, and yeah, inevitably. And on just, top of that, it's it's basically, uh, and you know, the, the disconnect list and all hail disconnect for staying alive all these years and doing a good job of of uh, staying on the privacy case. But there, it's basically a, a catalog of every. Mm -hmm. At, at every violator basically and right that that's not sustainable at all and and um uh and then apple i don't even know what apple does i think they have some kind of machine learning thing that uh that you know that, that does some magic in the background that limits what you what you can see but there's no common experience here of uh 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 uh, Augustine Fu, who we've had on this before, um, on the on the on the podcast before, he was asking people on Twitter a couple of days ago, you know, if you're seeing this, if you go to this particular page, and it was a big a big ass. Uh, I saw I saw the I saw yeah, the post you're talking so about. I, it I was a huge huge that. Facebook ad on the, the top of was it New York Times? Oh, the New York Times. Yeah. So you yeah, go massive. The, it was the whole. It would have been your whole window if you're on a laptop. Right. And well, the fact that it is a Facebook ad on every single one means it's probably not based on tracking you. They just bought what uh, in in the TV business they used to call a roadblock, which meant let's say if you like in the old days and you wanted to you were Coca-Cola and you wanted everybody to see your ad, you bought a roadblock. You bought the same ad uh, on the CBS, NBC, and ABC evening news. Right. And and you couldn't get away from it, right? That was a roadblock. <laughs> no escape. They, bought a, they kind of bought a roadblock, but it was definitely blocked by the browsers that I had set or were set automatically to block tracking. Mm -hmm. So... Tracking was involved in some way, but how? I, I don't know. Um, this kind of thing where you maybe can trust that you're not going to, either you're not going to see anything that got there by way of tracking, or if it does show up, 
all you're going to do is see it and it's not going to track you to some other site or follow you around the net because you haven't yeah. acquired an unwanted cookie that's going to live, you know, like a tick on, on your skin as you go from site to site. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Yeah, no, I was just, I'm thinking what's interesting to me about their approach is it's interrupting the ability of APIs that were not, as they say, were not designed for tracking, but have been used to, you know, track people anyway, because there are, they are sharing this information that, that allows that. And, and so it's taking a different approach because previously, you know, if you're just focusing on things like cookies, you know, you, you know, how many, I don't know how many add-ons you have, and how many, oh God. Um, you know, how many, how many, how many, how many, you know, ways we, we go about trying to block tracking from, from, all, you know, all these various entities that, that want our information. Um, yeah. And it, it just becomes it, it, it frustrating. It seems like it's a lot of work, you know, and, yeah. and it doesn't seem sustainable. So I like the fact that Firefox or that, that Firefox is taking a, a, an approach of just trying to build a wall around some of these at, at the API level so that you these technologies that weren't even f for tracking can't use them in that way anymore. And I think that's, that it's appeals a, to me. I mean, I'm looking here and this is just on, on Chrome. I mean, it's unreal. I, most of these I actually have turned off at the moment, but I, I, I used to experiment with them, but I don't much anymore because it's too complicated. You know, I, you block, there's the vanilla cookie manager, the red morph, um, uh, privacy monitor, privacy badger, um, you know, Provoni, uh, mask me, time track. I mean, I'm, I'm only halfway up this thing, you know, that, uh, <laughs> Uh, here's a VPN proxy unblocker, whatever. I have to think again about whatever that was. I don't have it turned on. Ghostery. I mean, here's a Google Analytics opt-out add-on, you know, and back in our Linux journal days, I mean, we spent a lot of energy discovering that Google Analytics doesn't see a lot um, in part because the kind of readers we had, had, yeah. you know, the kind of tools that I have here and you have too, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, th there's so many of them. There's, yeah, our, our ad impressions did not match our traffic. <laughs> yeah, by yeah. a long shot. So yeah, we at some point just gave up and said to hell with it. But um, yeah, I don't know. So so what what you said earlier, you already you already basically covered it. The other browsers need to do the same thing. Well, yeah, it, it, I, to me it, at this point, it's a watch this space, right? So let's yeah. say let's say this is a prototype of something that should be normalized across all websites and Microsoft or Google or Apple or somebody says, oh, wait a minute, you know, we could, um, uh, we could do it this way and this is a better way to do it. Uh, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, open source this and it's on GitHub and we'll dump what we've got into there and then we'll see what happens. I don't know, uh, it, it's, gonna be, it's gonna be interesting to see because what often happens with this kind of thing too is that the other one will say, "No, oh, we have a better way of doing it. It's going to be our exclusive way, and screw the screw everybody else." So, yeah. But if it becomes typical, that's another thing. Well, and just from an ideological perspective, yeah, the idea that they're sort of retroactively going and shutting doors that were left open is sort of how I would put it, I guess. Because again, when you when when entities are using technology that was never even designed to be let's say abused i'm going to just say abused in that way 
um, you, it, it puts, um, it puts the rest of us in a position where we have to go back through and close all of those technical doors that were left open. So, so I, I, I kind of see it that way rather than, rather than standing at the door with a bouncer, like a lot of, a lot of our add-ons are doing, this is just saying, shut the damn door. <laughs> Nobody's coming in or out. Yeah. And, and, and it's another possible outcome is, okay, you've got, you know, 10 different ways of locking the door, you know, I mean, go from house to house and there are going to be different ways. Doorknobs will all look different. Some will have a deadbolt. Some will have, you know, a twist lock. Some of them will have a combination lock. Some will have, some will have, you know, some kind of YubiKey thing. Who knows? I'm just making these up, but there are a lot of ways to lock a door, but if all the doors are locked, does the business that, that tried to get past the locks dry up and go away or yeah. you know, get marginalized. I think that's going to happen. I think one way or another. Yeah. I, I don't it think will. anything that people hate as much as they do being tracked. Um, and, and anything as unwelcome as advertising of that, of the tracking base sort uh, can live with one exception. And this is, this is a tough one. Um, I had a long talk with somebody uh, last night about this. Um, somebody we should have on as a guest, but I don't say who it is yet um, uh, because he may not want this to be public. But as somebody who knows uh, just a buttload about how Facebook works and awesome. that, that if you're I'm glad serious, someone does, <laughs> if you're serious about doing direct marketing of any kind, and that includes a lot, all local advertising, you know, I, you know, I want. You know, I, I want a tackle shop that specializes in, uh, you know, lures for striped bass in Galveston, you know, and I want males that own trucks uh, that are 25 to 34. And, you know, and you just have a bunch of crosshairs and you buy across those crosshairs on Facebook and you're going to succeed. You're going to get a lot. It'll be a, and that, that is a many, many multi-billion dollar business for, for Facebook. Yeah. And, and it's probably not going away. You know, there's no, the, I mean, what this guy said was there's no overstating in the advertising world, the size of Facebook at that. And, and, and Google is, you know, the Google is not as privileged as either Facebook or um, Amazon at that because Facebook has all kinds of information about you just by watching you on Facebook. Amazon has your entire buying history and your searching history and they can they can use that to advertise at you with a lot more precision than google can and the one that's sort of in third place in this is google especially since google is the routing mechanism for lots of the tracking based ads so they're much bigger in that business than anybody else they're kind of the back end uh so they're kind of the the advertising service provider for the world they're much more infrastructural than facebook is or so i'm told uh, but I don't think that's wrong. So that's sort of an interesting thing. I, but for getting around on the web, on the ordinary web and looking at things on the web, we should be able to operate there without, know, while knowing that I'm, we're not being followed by anybody, including Facebook. Yeah. So well, some days. Yeah. Someday. I'm optimistic so about that. Yeah, no, I think so too. I, you know, I think that this is a, this is a, a space that's, that's moving rapidly. You know, I think there's a lot happening. Yeah. A lot of people are, um, 
more and more interested and and more concerned so so that is what you know drives action i guess so uh, yeah, yeah i think we're we're going in the right direction collectively <laughs> so listeners <laughs> yeah uh we would love to hear some feedback from you um we're we're on the lookout for ideas for what you would like us to talk about for um any other feedback we we love some newsletter feedback if you haven't signed up for it please do and um we'd like to hear what parts are useful and what parts are less useful um do you want more links <laughs> so we've got them <laughs> yeah um, yeah 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 yeah, but reach out to us, please. There are many, many ways to get in touch. Um, you can reach us on Twitter. You can reach us on Mastodon, on Facebook. You can you can go to the website at reality2cast.com and contact th us through the contact page there. Um, and you can just email us at info at reality2cast.com and we will read it with great enthusiasm. So if you've made it this long, Before thank you. you. Yeah, we, we really do. Please, please don't. We we're very we're quite serious about it. We really do want to say howdy. You. Just say hey. Yeah, just we're drop us a we're line. To say we hi. like what you're doing, and uh, yeah, um, yeah, it'll be great. Yeah, we would love it. So yeah, thank you for continuing to listen, and thank you for reading our newsletter, and thank you for participating. And we will okay. see you next time. Actually, next we won't week. see you next time. We will speak <laughs> at you next time. <laughs> Thanks.